1: Of the Caribbean if the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline mouth-watering flavors of the world-class bayesian cuisine and of course plenty of rum head to visit forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados the best place to be a cricket fan
2: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and what a T20 series it's been between England and India. The hosts edging it 3-2, of course, after a thriller in a winner-takes-all series finale. I'm Neil Manthorpe and today I'm joined by Double Ashes winner, the great Steve Harmison to discuss all the major talking points from the five-game series. We'll talk about whether David Milan is the man to get uh, England forward batting at number three Ask whether there is pressure on both Chris Jordan and Sam Curran. And we'll also head to Delhi to see how India are reacting to the series victory. As well as that, we'll bring you reaction from the England camp. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. Well, homie, um Owen oh, Morgan raised the stakes, didn't he, by, um, by picking a, or insisting on having a full-strength squad and then not rotating. He certainly showed his, his hand of cards uh, in terms of what he regards as his best 11. Um, and, and yet he's walked away with a 3-2 series loss. So that would probably feel a bit more of a disappointment and a, a setback than it might have done if it had just been a normal bilateral series.
3: Yeah, I think so. But I think all in all, I think England have done played some fantastic cricket. This has been a good series performance-wise by England. A lot of good performances. Um, And I, I just I go back to the England didn't rotate, and with them not rotating, the bowlers looked a little bit predictable and tired a little bit. Five games in ten days, the quicker bowlers. So that was the only thing I picked up on the last game. But I think overall the series, I think England have played some fantastic cricket, especially over where we're going to be in October.
2: I'm delighted to say that uh, England captain Owen Morgan has joined us now. Um, Owen, um, Neil Manthorpe here. Uh, in South Africa uh, a year ago, you were absolutely on top of your game, but you said you still felt you could progress and, uh, and get better and, and work on various aspects of your game. Um, how, how would you rate the series? Obviously, it's disappointing to lose, um, but, but uh, it was very competitive and highly entertaining. Does the knowledge that you gained outweigh the series result?
4: Yes, absolutely. I think the experience is completely invaluable. I think uh, coming here, knowing that we would make mistakes along the way, regardless of the results in the games or the series, was a really healthy attitude to adopt. And I think game on game, we've learned little bits more about ourselves, both exposure and things to learn and build on moving forward, but also some really positives. You know, having played in the 2016 World Cup campaign uh, all the way to the final, and, and were beaten in the West Indies in India, um, we do have a lot of confidence here. But also playing against a really strong Indian team in their in their own conditions um, was a really good test for us. So lots of learnings and lots of positives as well.
2: Oh, and it seemed like you deliberately wanted to raise the stakes from just a just another bilateral series um, by by, you know, showing your hand in, in some ways with what you regarded as your, as your best 11. Um, there are obviously no opportunities for Sam Billings and, and uh, Liam Livingston and Moen and Ali, but are you still happy with that, uh, with, with your approach to, to going in full strength, 100 miles an hour and, and trying, doing everything to win? Yeah, very happy
4: with that, Neil. I think more so because the opportunity to play our best 11 in a series doesn't happen that often. Over the last 12 months, we've only had one other instance throughout half a dozen series where we've been able to play our strongest 11. So uh, you can have the strongest 11 on paper, but actually performing within that team, guys need to have role clarity, have very clear plans on what they're doing, and feel comfortable in their own skin to do that. So that was an important exercise for us throughout this series. And you mentioned other players that didn't get an opportunity. You know, between here and the World Cup, there are going to be very few opportunities to get their strongest squad together. So there will be plenty of opportunities for guys like you've mentioned already and guys that sit outside the squad as well.
3: Owen, oh, you mentioned there, what, what sort of stuff do you feel as though England have learnt in this five-match series? And just on the back of today, was there a sense of learning that five games in ten days, the intensity of the bowlers trying to hit the sort of back of a length and bowl as fast as they can, just came up a little bit short looked a little bit sort of fatigued towards the end of, the, end of the, that first innings?
4: Um, well, it's, it's nothing that we've ever come up against before and we're, we're not going to come up against it again. I think given the circumstances around COVID to play five games in nine days, you know, it's, a, it's a huge ask for all of our players, you know, particularly when we go unchanged a lot of the time. But given the nature of the series and, again, trying to highlight as much as we can, we wanted our team to be put under as much pressure as we can to try and replicate uh, tournament uh, mentality, which is very difficult to do in a a bilateral series. But I think the things that I would highlight that we have gotten better at in in four out of the five games, our power play bowling has been excellent. We've tried something different. We've tried Adil Rashid majority of the time. Sam Curran took the new ball um, as well. And, and it, it's been our best power play bowling for a long time. Um, and probably the, the, the biggest stumbling block for us, and, and again, area of improvement, is that phase towards the end, four or five overs to go, both with the bat and the ball. You know, we, we were off the mark with both, certainly today, and a, a lot probably in two more games. The other two games that we lost, and I think in the games that we won previously, you know, the, the top order looked after the majority of the runs that were scored. They faced the majority of the balls, which is great. Um, but our middle order just were off the pace a of- little.
3: Two players um, that probably will get talked about is, obviously, Mo and Ali goes home from a test matches and didn't play a part, any part in, in this series. And my old mate, Ben Stokes, seeing him walk off the pitch there at the end of the game looked not just dejected because, obviously, he's lost, but it... I've just seen possibly that not playing a greater part in this game. Is that having any effect on, ill effect on Ben? No,
4: certainly not on Ben. No, Ben is uh, a lot of energy in and around exactly what we're doing throughout this, this series. I think the direction in which the side is going with one eye geared towards the T20 World Cup, he is a, one of our main driving players, both in the change room and on the field, in, in gearing towards that. He loves playing T20 cricket. He, he won't have a lot of opportunity to do it after the IPL finishes it. Um, actually, probably none before the World Cup. So it's actually really good to get some games under his belt now in conditions that we're going to play in. I think my, uh, when you refer to Mo and Ali, he, he was considered for selection for every game that we played. Um, you know, we, we turned up to every game thinking, you know what, the wicket's going to be drier today. It's 38, 39, 40 degrees the ball might turn and then we've turned up to the ground and the wicket has been rock hard and the ball hasn't turned a great deal. So that limits Moen's opportunities and obviously lends selection towards Sam Curran when you're trying to pick your best 11 on any given day.
2: Oh, and I want to thank you for your time and and, and just get your thoughts very briefly on the idea that T20 cricket has become a science now. The level of analysis it's something that uh, I never foresaw. It used to be just go out there and hit the ball harder and further than the opposition and bowl Yorkers and you'll be all right. But it's extraordinary now, isn't it? The, the level of analysis. As I said, it's become a science.
4: Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. I, I love and the analysis side of it, it. It's certainly an area in which can influence the game a, a huge amount. And you know, in, in the matter of 120 balls, every player is trying to influence the game in, it, in its best form and trying to manoeuvre pieces a little, little bit like a puzzle and teams that do it really well and teams that don't take advantage of that I think sort of go up and down a little bit so I think it's an area that's continuing to evolve you know T20 as a whole has completely changed the landscape of, of, of cricket um, and I think for the better as well.
2: Owen, oh, thanks for your time and very best of luck in the, in the ODIs
4: Always a pleasure guys thank you
2: very lucid, Harmy. Um, you know, disappointing, but uh, it's it's not the series that matters, is it? That's in six months' time. It's called the T20 World Cup. Absolutely, and no, he should be apologetic. He's
3: he's Owen Morgan. He's the England captain who's won a, a, a great deal of things. And the questions I asked, I probably didn't ask them the right way. I've been aware of that. Ben Stokes dejected. Yes, he was dejected. More the fact that at number six, he's not in the game. Ben Stokes needs to be in the game. Um, and in the Moen Alley, uh, yeah, he's, he's up for selection. And I don't have a, have a problem with that. But I, there is this long-term plan that England have set out and the long-term roadmap that England have set out. And for me, it just doesn't look as though the right hand's talking to the left hand. We have had Chris Wokes not bowl a ball in a competitive match, really. You know, I don't think he did play any part of, of, of any of the stuff and he goes home um, Mo and Ali plays one test match he goes home for a rest, comes back doesn't play again so uh, again if they're looking they're looking at long term yes and looking after the, the health of people but there are people there will be people out there who will criticize the selections of uh, in the, the muddle thinking in, in that respect Ben Stokes I just don't make sense for me. Here is a world-class batsman. Here is a world-class performer. He has faced 56 balls in five games. Five 2020 games, and our best player, our most destructive player in my eyes, has faced 56 balls. For me, that's not nowhere near enough. Um, and in that, in that, he's got a strike rate of 150 out of the 56 balls. Milan will be talked about. The, again, he, he played very, very well, but he's got a strike rate of 120 in the, in the series. I think England have still got question marks to have, but I'll go back to what I said right at the top. England played some fantastic cricket in this series, and I think did they learn a great deal. I think, and we knew they were a good side before that. I think one thing we have learned is India are going to be a formidable outfit in their own back garden, trying to trying to win a World
2: Cup um, at home. I mean, it was interesting after the, the 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 fifty over World Cup. You know, he it was such a crescendo and it felt like a sort of uh, you know, that it might be the end of his career and he mm. he, he said that he wanted to take a few uh, days or weeks off to consider what he would do next and carry on but he, he's come back and he appears to be as driven and as I mean, he's held in awe by his players isn't he? And this is a peculiar question, but do you, do you think that he, he might his his, I don't know, his power, his presence, his his influence um, might be slightly intimidating. It's a peculiar question. Do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I know where you're coming from.
3: Um, A a bit like Coley to some of the extent, extent of the younger players that look at maybe Virat in the same way but England are a very experienced side. There's a lot, a lot of these players who talk about the journey that England have been on. A lot of these players have come together. The Morgan, the Morgans of this world has not, it's not as Owen, Owen Morgan's like 40 year old and everybody else is 25. They are, they're all in and around their thirties. They've all got experience around them. And, I just think they've come up against a good side in their own back garden. I think Owen Morgan looks as though he's driven. No problem with that. Is he still the best leader? Of course he's the best leader. He's a fantastic captain. It, does he? Is he batting in the right spot? He probably is batting in the right spot. Yes, number five. I just think the one at this minute in time is the best player in the world on the on the rankings has averaged an average of 50. He's the fastest to 1,000 2020 runs. Uh, in David Milan, 24 innings, more than, I think, one more than, uh, what was it two more than Barbara Zamm, what three more than Cobley, Finch and Kilrao, 29 matches to get to 1,000 runs. Uh, and we're talking about him being our problem because he doesn't score quick enough at number three. But it's also fitting the right components in as well, England having another spin option. So whether it comes down to England learning that, you know what, we might have to lose a Jordan. And play Mo and Ali a little bit further down, which I think would be a big thing for Owen Morgan. Owen Morgan's all about trust. Trusts are huge things in his eyes. That's why Jason Roy consistently gets a run at the top of the order, because Morgan trusts him. That's why Alex Hales is not in this squad, because Morgan doesn't trust having Alex Hales around. Owen Morgan, if he's got a death over, he goes to Chris Jordan because he trusts him that I think is something in there might just have loosened a little bit going into India and that that might be the one Um, it'll be interesting to hear what Alex tudor has got to say a little bit later on but I think Chris Jordan could be the one where you get Mo and Ali into the side but again I go back to the the problem we're talking about and the one that we think is not our weak link but to get our best player and Ben Stokes higher up the order is the guy who's number one ranked batsman in the world what a problem to have eh
2: yeah, exactly. I mean, it is uh, it is fascinating and it's a fascinating science, as Owen Morgan himself said. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and our review of India's series win over England. Still to come, we'll get the Indian perspective from Chetan Narula. But next up, we discuss England's batsmen and the potential selection headaches ahead of the T20 World Cup in six months.
3: As in comes Hardik Pandya.
4: And that is hooked away by Milan, and it's gone all the way. And he waits for it and cuts it away, and that is going to go for four. Well played, Jason Roy.
5: Sundar to uh, finish the over, and Ben Stokes has gone yard on this one. This is going to land 12 rows back at square leg. Four just in there. Now Moeen Ali sweeps
2: him over mid-wicket for six. This is astonishing stroke play. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. And our review of England's T20 series defeat to India. Don't forget, we'll be back for live and exclusive commentary of the three ODIs starting this Tuesday. This is the Cricket Collective with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison here on Talksport Two. Right, let's talk about England's batsmen then, um, and and their performance in the in the series, not just the fifth match, but uh, but overall, and. And I think it's time for a little bit of uh, analysis, in fact, probably a lot of analysis, knowing uh, Jared Kimber. And I'm, I'm just going to, th- without uh, explaining it, I'm just going to throw the David Milan debate straight into your, I'm sure, welcoming lap, Jared. Um, he's, he still divides opinion.
6: Yeah, it's it's interesting, actually, because I I made a video about him a couple of days ago, and it's called The Luck of Dawood Milan, but it isn't really about him being uh, particularly lucky. It's just uh, how he's made most of his runs in internationals and really struggled domestically. And people are like, well, look at that innings. That proves that it's not just luck. And And I'm like, but he had a strike rate of 147 in a game where... He had to score a lot quicker than that. Sometimes it's it's more than just the runs you make. I actually thought he batted brilliantly uh, for about the first, what, 30-odd balls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I thought him, him and Verat both played the anchor role. And I thought for the first 30-odd balls, uh, David Milan was far better in that role than Verat was. I thought Verat really struggled. Uh, but the problem was once Butler got stuck a little bit, Milan couldn't get back into fourth or fifth gear. And I think they had about a 15 or a 16-ball period where it slowed down. And that's where all the wickets came. I still think Milan's a really good player. I just don't think he's in England's best six batters.
3: I agree, Jared. I think I look at it and I, and I feel awful for saying it because I, we, shouldn't be talking about, we shouldn't be talking ill about England having a batsman, a number one-ranked batsman in the world. But the point you've just made there is where stats are misleading. At the same time, Verette Coley and David Milan, after 30 balls, were playing the anchor in, innings brilliantly. And the number rank, one-ranked bowler in the world got himself bogged down against a very good bowler. And a bowling attack who had been bowling brilliantly in England bowled at, at the best player in the world if not one of the best players of all time and he showed why he was like that and he took the, the offensive route and kept it going so for me I I think there's a lot of pressure on David Milan internal as well to try and prove to everybody I've got to be this per player and I think that is that's starting to, to shine through I'm not Gen- really sorry man is that the, just one last point I'm not really of a get Milan out, get Milan out, get Milan out, because I don't think he's very good. I actually think he's a very, very competent, very, very good and very top-class international batsman in playing with a white ball. The problem is I have got somebody like Ben Stokes facing 56 balls in a five-match series at number six, and I think they're in the wrong place. And that, for me, is why I still come back to the fact that the best, one of the best players in the world is England's problem.
2: It's it is fascinating. I mean, I, you know, you look at IPL, for example, and someone like Sunil Narain, who's a kind of a pinch hitting opener. Mm. Um, and I'd, I don't have the stats. You do, um, maybe not to hand, but I, I just always get the impression that if somebody makes twenty off ten balls or or thirty off fifteen balls at the top of the innings, um, is is better than than some. Uh, The the player that makes a a slow start that needs time to get himself in, in other words, a low-risk strategy in conventional thinking, is actually a high-risk strategy because if he gets out for 20 off 20 balls, he's actually set his team back. What, What do the numbers say about David Milan? I mean, you know, he's got a career strike rate of 144 internationally and averages 50, and, you know, the numbers look absolutely great, but then the world ranking is also based on the number of runs rather than the importance of them
6: yeah it um, you got to remember that essentially t20 cricket is an efficiency sport now uh, you get 120 balls and it is your job as a team to make as many from those balls as you can and that's not particularly how Dawood Milan bats and it's it's not how Virat Kohli bats and there's more than a few guys out there who do that the difference uh, difference between that uh, is that England's theory is really to not waste any of their balls. They have a deeper batting lineup, So they don't really need a Dawood Milan, whereas there are many other teams... Um, he would walk into the Australian side, I think, um, in current form. And there's quite a few other really good teams that he would walk into and be a very good member of. But in the England team, their strategy is we're going to have Adil Rashid batting at number 10 or 11. We don't need someone at the top taking 15 balls to get his eye in. And that's how Dawood Milan likes to play. He went a bit quicker today. Although I still think he was about one off four or five balls but that's not that's not the uh, the the end of the world because he caught up from that really quickly and i think that's where the problem comes in so you, you can have someone like uh, Andre Russell is never going to average, uh, you know, over a long career, probably never going to average much more than Dawood Milan. But Andre Russell, is going to come in and bat the exact same way, he basically bats like it's the death no matter what overs he comes in. And his impact on a team is just huge because, uh, you know, if he comes in for the seventh over of the game and that over usually goes at five and a half runs and over and he smashes 14 off it, they, his team is massively ahead of the game. And that's not how Dawood Milan plays. Now, it does mean that if he was playing, if you're a franchise and you have a bunch of dashes around, but maybe not a very long t- uh, you know, a very strong tail the way that England do, Tottenham Milan's a perfect player because you can play him off other teams. In fact, the way that Virat Kohli played today uh, essentially, it, you have one guy block, block up one end, make sure that the score's sticky over and then everyone goes at the other end. That's just not how England plays. So he doesn't fit perfectly into it. Um, and the other thing is that during that same period where you said he's, you know, he's got this incredible international average and this incredible international strike rate, he doesn't in domestic cricket. It, he's been averaging in the 20s in domestic cricket, I think at a strike rate of about 132. So almost all of his best innings have been coming in a very few amount of international games spread over five years. And even Dawid Milan said he, he's probably been a bit lucky that he's been picked at the right time a few times when he's been in great form and playing for England. And the times that they didn't pick him to play for England, he was actually struggling a little bit. So a lot of things have gone in his way. But I I still think that, you know, you could fit him into New Zealand or Australia without any problems. He'd be a really good player for um, South Africa at the moment. That doesn't mean he's in England's (coughs) best 11. Mm. And this is a really good team. I mean, England, West Indies and India are probably the three best T20 teams in the world. And I'm not sure he would fit in any of those three teams, even if he would probably walk into almost any other team in, in the next World Cup.
3: As well, man, as we talk, Jared, we talk about his series so far, and that sort of magnifies what we've been talking about. He's got he got 23 off, 24 of 23 balls in the first game, 24 of 20 balls in the second game, 14 of 17 balls in the third, 18 of 17. So you could you could understand why there was a bit of pressure on him when, Jared, you're talking about England's game plan. and Mentality has always been, you know, we're, we're just going to keep going. If somebody gets out, you keep going. Jason Roy, if Jason Roy gets runs he gets runs quickly Besto exactly the same and uh, i'll i'll keep harping on until i'm blue in the face about it in this hour when you've got somebody like morgan and stokes who have got a strike rate that what they've got to come in behind that it's just too little too late
2: so jared just uh, finally um dispassionately mm-hmm. um statistically and numerically speaking uh how do you rate harmy's view that ben stokes should bet at number three
6: uh, I, th- I think he stole that off me didn't he or did I steal it off him I can't remember I think, now. I think we stole it off Tudes <laughs> uh, I mean if you look at you look at Stokes he looks lost in the middle order uh, I know he played one good innings in this series you're not getting much out of him uh, we also know he's not going to bowl his four overs as much so we don't have to worry about the pressure on him of, of, of over bowling but Rajasthan got the most out of Ben Stokes by putting him up the order he can win you a game up the order not sure he's going to win that many games down the order for England it's just not a natural position for him to be in and if you th- if you were to take Milan out of this side right now and you move Stokes to his position and you put Mo and Elliot six, I think you actually make their middle order stronger and their top order potentially stronger. Um, and and I you know I think if that's the case, I think that that's almost the no brainer for me. And uh, I'm not sure realistically why England hasn't done that so far, but that is. That's how I believe that the team should go forward. I just think that is a stronger eleven than the current one, and and there's nothing wrong with um, uh, w- with uh, the other players that, that are available. It's just that we know that Stokes is something special, and if you can get, if you can get, let's say, six overs a game out of Stokes and Moen and Ali out of your top six, that gives you a lot of flexibility with uh, the kind of bowlers that you can pick.
2: And as far as bowling is concerned, uh, Jared, um, what's your view on Chris Jordan and? and death bowling and um uh just the the fact that I'm going to ask this question of Alex Tudor um in the in the next section um but trick balls i mean uh, a few years ago uh chris jordan was uh, regarded as one of the great death bowlers because he mixed it up so much um but now it seems and i'm interested in your statistical view on this that mixing it up too much isn't isn't the thing anymore. It's actually, you know, you, you, need to have a stock ball. You can go back to whether it's hitting the, hitting the top of off stump or whatever classic delivery it is. And, and Chris Jordan just looks dare I say m- maybe a little bit dated cause he's cause he's too fancy
6: do you know what i i I looked at chris morris um the uh, south african who went for 28 billion dollars in the last ipl auction to see why he was getting paid that much money and what you see with chris morris is i think in the ipl he's he's had two of the best years ever of a bowler in the in the death overs and he's had a couple in the middle he very rarely has a bad year Uh, i happened when i was having the look at the numbers this way that Uh, Dwayne Bravo and Chris Jordan have had some of the best years in the IPL bowling at the death and also some of the worst years and absolutely horrific years. And I think that Chris Jordan goes through whole periods where he really struggles at the death. He's not England's best death bowler. He's going at over 10 runs and over... and he has not been uh, England's best death bowler in quite a while. I mean, uh, Tamal Mills is g- going at just over eight runs and over in the death. And Chris Jordan's going at closer to ten and a half r- runs and over. And um, Mills has taken more wickets than Jordan as well. And I haven't mentioned Harry Gurney, who's obviously another quality death bowler. I just think that... It's funny you talk about the tricks. My, my theory with Jordan was he was one of the most accurate death bowlers. He bowled a little bit like Kumar or like Peter Siddle in that he could hit Yorkers more often than other people. I think over time... You need more tricks than that. And I think he's got one kind of slow ball. Perhaps he's got, uh, you know, maybe a second one uh, that he uses occasionally. Whereas uh, you either need a killer slow ball, like something like Dwayne Bravo's, or you need Chris Morris's consistent uh, 90-mile-an-hour Yorkers. And I don't, I think Chris Jordan sort of just, caught between those two uh, positions at the moment. Um, And I think that occasionally for those death bowlers, you get this huge variance between their best and their worst. And I just think that, sadly for Jordan, his worst is is happening right at the moment, not far out from a World Cup. Clearly, Owen Morgan still backs him, um, but he's just not the death bowler that he was a couple of years ago. But we saw Owen Morgan um, back uh, Liam Plunkett for a long time, and that came good in the World Cup. So it'd be really interesting to see what they do.
2: Jared, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. I could listen to you all day. I'm not always uh, sure that I'm smart enough to, to understand everything um, that you say. but That's, that's uh, me, Gordon <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jared. I, I just love the analysis. Uh, you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and our review of the uh, T20 series between India and England. Uh, we've spoken about England's batsmen, uh, but next up, me and Steve Harmison are joined by former England bowler Alex Tudor to discuss the performances of the bowlers. You're listening to TalkSport 2.
5: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
1: to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan.
2: Archer in, right arm over, a little bit of wicket's
3: it's tracked on by Kale Rahul. Archer has the first wicket in the series.
2: Here he is, final ball of the uh, first
3: over. Sam Curran has got it across him, and it's just feathered the
2: edge. One slip for Wood as he goes into Rahul, bowling Middle stump at 45 degrees. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and our review of India's narrow but exciting 3-2 series win over England in the uh, T20s. If you missed any of the show so far or wish to catch up, you can listen back to the podcast now available on the following on feed via the free TalkSport app. But it's time now to discuss the performances of the bowlers and I'm joined by two men who are more than qualified to discuss this topic former England bowlers, Steve Harmison and Alex Tudor. Right, disappointing final uh, match of the series uh, for England then. Let's look at uh, the bowlers having conceded 224 runs. It was obviously a a bad day in the office, but did they make errors? Um, Who are the men who made progress? Who are the ones that uh, there are question marks about? Um, Why didn't Moeen Ali get a game in the series? Let's talk to Alex Tudor, who uh, has been part of the commentary team. Tud's, um Mark Wood had a sort of a, a hit-and-miss type series, didn't he? was either very good or, in the last game, very expensive. But is he a shoe in to start for you, along with Joffre Archer and Adil Rashid?
5: Yeah, for me, he is. And hello, man. As, yeah, I'm um, good to hear from you. Yeah, I will definitely start with Mark Wood. I, I just like that pace that he has, um, you know, to test these batsmen you know, to test their ticker. I know it's only 2020, but when you're bowling 90 plus miles an hour and and it's coming at your head or your nose hole, as I say, um, you know, you need to be brave. And unfortunately, sometimes at the back end of the union, you you know, a batsman's going to catch you. And if you get your length wrong, and for me today, England's length and line was all wrong. It was just in that hitting zone sort of waist height, they... You know, when they were bowling their bouncers, they didn't quite get it short um, enough. And then when they tried to bowl their Yorkers, they didn't get it right. Or they just didn't bowl enough Yorkers for me. I know the game has moved on from when I've played, but I just don't understand why bowlers in T20 format don't bowl enough Yorkers. And uh, for me, they need to do that when Bhuvnawish Kumar came back on to bowl. What did he bowl? Yorkers he only ended up going for 15 runs and I just feel sometimes the bowlers try and overcomplicate things and I just think they you know you've got 24 balls bowl your best 24 balls you know you you practice and practice and I just don't understand why you know they can't back themselves the bowl Yorkers or the, or, or the you know the low full toss about ankle shin height because that can only go one way the batsman's only going to hit you down the ground and you can set your field for that.
3: Jude, you talked about bowling. I thought England were a little bit predictable with the way they were bowling. Mm. But I also thought when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, this is five games in 10 days and England have have kept the same side. So, and and majority majority of the time the same side. So them bowlers, I think you talk about executing their plans and nailing them. They were doing them on day one, game one, but game five, is that... Is that a criticism on selection? Because the bowlers did look not tired. They looked mentally a bit weary because it looked as though yesterday were predictable. There was no feel to it. You know, they talk about matchups and say, right, mm-hmm. this, ball, this ball to this batsman, the way it goes. But you know yourself, you know, talking from experience of fast bowling, sometimes you just have to go on a gut feel to think, well, that's not working I actually have to change this.
5: Yeah, definitely, I, 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 As you rightly say, you know, five games in ten days, the Indian batsmen, it's like they got accustomed to the bowlers. And as you say, oh, Morgan didn't really change the side. He doesn't really like to do that. You know, to play in this T20 side, you've got to earn your stripes. He's not just giving away a cap. You know, we would have liked to have seen Moen Ali come into the side. He, he he likes Sam Curran in the side because it gives him an option. But he's bowling one or two overs, if that. He's batting coming in at nine to... So, you know, could his position be best suited for Mo and Ali? Um That's going to be a little bit more destructive, maybe coming in at six. He, he's going to bowl a lot more overs than, say, Sam Curran. Um, but I just think the execution of it, you know, with the, with the bowling wasn't wasn't quite right. And it was like, I don't know if they figured out, you know, especially when Hardik was batting. It was like when he goes offside first you know especially when he, he he face up he then the next ball he will show your stumps he goes leg side and i don't know if the england bowlers cotton on to that gerard who you know the analyst here he he sort of says he does that quite regularly he does it for the mumbai indians and i'm not too sure you would like to think with all the statisticians and and all the people they have at their disposal that they would have most probably you know seen that once hard it gets going
2: i wanted to ask you chuds about Chris Jordan. I mean, he's mm. um, by his own standards. I mean, <laughs> there's the catch, of course. Yes. Um, that's that's one of the great highlights of my 30 years covering professional cricket. That was that was spectacular. But his his main job is obviously to bowl. Yes. Um, and he's had a fairly torrid time getting more and more expensive. He's, um, you know, back in the day, uh, and that's only like three or four years ago mm. in T20 cricket. He was known for for being brilliant because of his tricks. Now you're talking about the move to going back to, you know, hit the top of off stump. You know, what's your stock ball? What is your stock ball? Mm. Um, do you think that with the extent of analysis now, batsmen and teams are, are, are sort of have figured out his tricks and his slower ball bounces and his back of the handers and all that sort of thing? I mean, you know, he went for 57 in the last yeah. game.
5: Yeah, he's, he's been under pressure. I know, um, you know, we were picking, John was asking for us um you know, to pick our elevens and he was in mine, he wasn't in Kate's or or Gerard's eleven, um purely because, you know, they feel maybe he's he's lost that ability to, to bowl that Yorker pretty much at will. He bowls that wide one, he follows the batsman. For me he's bowling a little bit too much chains up is that off cutter halfway down. Batsmen are now, especially in T twenty cricket, are setting themselves and the quicker balls now the surprise. Um I just think, you know, bowl more quicker balls, you know, batsmen, you know, these grounds are small, they're strong, the bats are big, even miss hits are going out the ground now. So I just feel, you know, he will have to just go back to, you know, he's going to now, he's in the IPL, you know, he's, you know, if he bowls for his franchise, he's going to have to, you know, work on this if he wants to get himself back into that final 11. But I know Owen Morgan trusts him and likes him in the side. Um, But after these last two um, games that he's played, you know his selection is going to be up for debate for sure.
3: And Tude's the the big one for me. Watching, watching somebody I know very very well walk off the field there tonight so dejected, it was ridiculous. And Ben Stokes, what do we do with that man? Because I'm looking at some. You know, you can go at stats, you can go at matchups, you can go 2020. Where's the right place, Milan or whatever? I'm not bothered about Milan. I'm not bothered about anybody else. I look at Ben Stokes and think he is one of our. He is our best player. And I seen him walk off the field tonight. He's faced fifty-six balls in five innings, or five in five matches. For no. me, that's not enough. It's not no.
5: Where do you go with Ben Stokes? He's he's batting free for me, Harmy. We spoke about it when we was on air during yeah. the third game. For me, you know, his franchise said we're paying him all this money. Where are we gonna get the best out of Ben? Well, they stuck him up the order. What did he do? He went and got a hundred. You know, I just feel, you know, with your best players, they need to face more balls. I just don't think he's best suited coming in as he was tonight. You know, what was he, 14 from 12 or whatever it was. I just feel, um, you know, 14 from 12 balls he was tonight. That's that's not Ben's game. He needs to be in. And as you say, if it's at the cost of David Milan, which is going to be debate, you know, people are saying, you know, he eats up balls or whatever. They saw his strike weight. Of 144, he's 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 ended up getting 68 from 46, but he actually slowed down, yeah. and then the pressure came on the other guys, and then they felt they needed to go. You know, if he, I think he had the lowest strike rate of anyone who got 20 plus runs in this game, which will tell you something. Even though people from maybe outside the game that don't quite get it will be like, well, he's got 69, 68 from 46, that's fantastic. But actually, when you're chasing down two two five. He needs to be striking at 171.80 for me. So I think you need to get Ben higher up the order to get the best out of him. I think we were having a discussion where Butler's best suited. I think if we're batting first, maybe he opens, definitely. But if we're chasing, maybe if he's a little bit lower down, sort of floating, he might just give you that, you know, because there's no better finisher for me in the England side than Butler. The David
2: Milan debate is absolutely incredible, really. I mean, he's just become the fastest to a 1,000 runs in 24 innings. His career strike rate's 144, and yet he, you know, he still inspires all this debate, and there are so many people who remain unconvinced um, about him at number three, and there would be room for another all-rounder, I guess, if Ben Stokes batted at number three. But overall, um, Tudes, and to you as well, Harmi, I mean, for me... Owen Morgan raised the stakes um by insisting on having his best his best squad um his full strength squad and then by not really using them um you know only making the one change in the five games so is this a big setback i mean he's 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 raised the stakes and this is not just a bilateral series is it i mean he it was almost like it was a kind of precursor to the t20 world cup even though it's over 6 months away um is that Consequently, is the level of disappointment greater for England? Is this three-two series defeat a, a bigger loss than it should have been? Um, I listen.
5: I think that he'll be happy in some in in some points. I mean, you know, when the toss went up today, I was hoping when he won it that he was actually going to bat first, just so we could see something different. Because I just don't think you're going to win a World Cup chasing all the time. I know he, he's thinking of now get this series one to win in India because they don't lose too often. This is now eight series that they've not lost um, in a row. Um, it would have been a good feather in their cap. But I, I just think, did we miss a trick? You know, maybe, and as you said, you know, maybe not seeing enough, like get Mo in the side. He's He's been there. He's only really played what one game or so. So, you know, we need to see what, what he's about also. So there'll be disappointment. There'll be reflection. There'll be, you know, what is our best best side? I don't think we've, we've figured that out. I know we all have our opinions and, and options, but it really doesn't matter. It's what Morgan feels is going to be his best 11 and what 11 he goes in with come October. Yeah, I agree with what you're just saying there. And
3: I, and I look at this, man, as I look at it this way, I, what, what did we go in to try and do? We looked at it to try and win the series with our best team because potentially we weren't going to get our best team until um, until October, until, until the T20 World Cup comes about. I don't think we learned too much. Really, I think what we learned was we still got question marks on what our best batting order is. We still got question marks on some of our bowlers at the death. We didn't see a great deal of some of the players that were, that were in the squad that potentially if, if a finger injury or a, we're going to India, yeah, you could have a, a, a tummy upset and one of the top six comes out and either a Liam Livingston or something like that has to go in. So I, I think when you look back at it, I, everything that England have shown... I already knew. Fantastic white ball side. Disappointed to lose this last game. Fair enough. But they played some fantastic cricket in between. Some unbelievable cricket in between. This is what this team does. I, just don't, I think there's still the same question marks at the start of the series than what there what the will be right now. Um, whether Owen Morgan says that or not, I'd be very, very surprised if he does. Um, and again, I think there's still a huge number of question marks going into that T20 World Cup.
2: Indeed. In part four, we'll be heading to uh, India to get the Indian perspective with Chetan Narula. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Still to come, as I said, we'll be heading to Delhi to find out how India are reacting to the 3-2 series win. This is The Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. Sam Curran hits another one to finish off. Well, that'll put a little bit of a smile on the English faces at the end of it. It's not going to be enough, but Sam Curran smashes this one, back past the bowler over his own head for six. India have won this game, though, by 36 runs. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and our review of the T20 series between India and England. It was the hosts who ultimately edged it 3-2, inflicting our first T20 series defeat on England since 2018. And it's time now to head to Delhi to see how the home side are reacting to this series as cricket writer and broadcaster my old friend Chetan Narula joins us uh, on the line. Uh, Chet's... um, Wow. Uh, Jeepers. Um, India got better and better. Um, I suppose they were like two good classic heavyweights. They traded punches and landed a few knockout blows in the early games. But when it came to the decider, game
7: five, it was uh, India all over it. Absolutely, Neil. I think India just did everything perfectly today. I mean, when you have 225 on the board, uh, any aggressive batting lineup is going to struggle to get that. Yes, I mean, there's dew around and it'll help, but it's about carrying momentum through those 20 overs. And once you lose a couple of wickets uh, very quickly, and especially two set batsmen like Josh Butler and David Malan, so that, that, that momentum doesn't come back. But again, coming back to India, they did everything right. I think it was a very courageous decision from Virat Kohli to open the innings. It could have spectacularly backfired especially with Adil Rashid opening the bowling, but it did not. And he anchored the innings through Rohit Sharma, Surya Kumari Adav. They were brilliant. I mean, you didn't even need Rishabh Pant and Shreyas here to bat, and they had 230 all on the board. So it said it all. I think India had a plan, executed it perfectly. And the most pleasing aspect for them is that they batted first. They lost the toss, they batted first, and they manufactured a series win out of it. So it's been stupendous for them. Jen, you talked about Virat
3: Kohli opening a baton. Do you think this is this is him for the for the tournament coming up? And to follow up that, how do you get, if Kohli does go in first, how do you get Kishant Yadav in possibly on the same side?
7: Well, it's, you know, it's, it's the same thing about Indian selection every time. It doesn't ever stop. It's just a game of musical chairs. It just keeps going on and on. And when the music stops, basically anybody who finds it, Anybody who's lucky enough to find a chair, um, you know, can consider themselves very, very lucky indeed. I mean, you're talking about Ishan Kishan and Suri Kumar Yadav. Tell me about KL Rahul. Where does that leave KL Rahul? He's not played cricket for the last three months. And he's been woefully out of touch, which you would expect him to regain, playing regularly in the IPA, spending time in the middle. And today the captain walks out to bat, walks out to open, and he plays such a brilliant knock. And he announced that he's going to open in the IPL and that he might might want to bat in that position in T20 international cricket as well. So um, it's leaving a lot of open-ended questions and that is uh, habitual from the Indian skipper. That's habitual from the Indian team management as well. And this is something that I don't like about the Indian team. They fiddle around just so much. I mean, you look at England. Yes, they lost today. But that is a team with set plans. And they're still favourites for the T20 World Cup from me. India just fiddle around too much. Mind you, it's the best position for Virat Kohli in T20 cricket. But it's not just about Virat Kohli, is it? It's also about how the other parts of the puzzle fit in. And for me, KL Rahul has to play. For me, Surya Kumar Yadav has to play. So it can't just be about Virat Kohli opening the bat in Canada. Well, Chet, that's really interesting because mm. to me...
2: And, and it's got nothing to do with the fact that India won the series 3-2. The fact that they had, you know, that every team has these enlarged squads at the moment. The fact that India had the, I don't know, the courage of their convictions and backed everybody and and uh, and, and rotated and experimented. I mean, that that seems to me, I'm really surprised to hear you say that you think they fiddled too much. I think they fiddled just enough. And, um, you know, if they were asking questions of players and formats and, and, um, and, and how players react in certain situations, they asked those questions, and I think they got a lot more answers than England did.
7: That's that's an interesting point of view, Neil, and I don't want to disagree with that because the crux of the matter is that India. No, no, don't no, no. Please, settled... please do disagree if you want. <laughs> no, I'm getting there, uh, Neil. It's just that India need to figure out what their squad is, and for that purpose, yes, they went about, you know, doing the experimentation and the f- trying to figure out what their best combination is. For me, six bowlers works, five bowlers doesn't work. They need that all-round element, both in pace and spin. So yes, in that sense, they have. But then you look at the 2019 World Cup. What also helps is that in certain situations, you need particular batsmen or you need particular bowlers to come out on top. So you can't have Surya Kumar Yadav batting at three in the build-up to the T20 World Cup. And then during the T20 World Cup, you ask him to bat at five or six. Similarly with Iyer, he's batted at three and four throughout his T20 career. And now he's being asked to bat at five and six. So... That, for me, is fiddling around. Again, the KL Rahul question, the whole of last year and the year before that, he's been asked to open the batting in T20 cricket. He's been your designate opening batsman. Before that, he was asked to bat in the middle. Now, there's a question mark that he might not even play. So, for me, this fiddling around needs to stop at a particular time. And yes, you're right, they need to do it right now. But there's a chance that they might play six T20s before the T20 World Cup at home against South Africa and New Zealand. I want the experimentation to stop. I want them to figure out a batting lineup, maybe keep two, three positions handy, keep them versatile. But apart from that, they need to have a fixated order because 2019, they lost it because of the fact that they did not have a fixated middle order beyond the top three positions. So that cost them the World Cup. It could cost them again.
3: Chin, does it, and I've got a different point, but just to come off the back of what you've just said there, is it simply, if Virat Kohli gets something in his mind, i.e. like, I want to go and open a baton, because he didn't want to bat four in the first game, is that more or less what Virat wants, Virat gets? So that's your Kiel Raul out the side, and that means you've got... Pretty inexperienced middle order, and I, I can understand what you're saying there. Try and get a, a settled team ready for that, that October T20 uh, World Cup. But one person that has stood out for me, and I think he's brilliant, I've always thought he's one of the, the best white ball bowlers in the world whenever he's played, and that's Bhubaneswar Kumar. What do you do with Bhubaneswar Kumar between now and in October to give him enough overs to keep to make sure he's fit for that tournament. Because he could be the difference between winning and losing that tournament because we've just seen there in a, in a high-scoring match, whenever you get a high-scoring match, there's one bowler stands out and more often than not, he wins the game.
7: Well, I'll tell you what they need to do is, uh, Ravi Shastri needs to pick up his phone. He needs to call up BBS Lakshman, who is the team mentor of Sunrisers Hyderabad. And he needs to tell him, listen, you have Bhumneshwar Kumar for the IPL. Make sure you don't overwork him. Make sure you manage his workload. Make sure he's ready and fit after the IPL finishes. That is the key for me because it's happened way too many times that he's over bowled and then he gets injured and then he takes two, three months to come back because there's an, Eng- there's an England tour as well coming up. India need Bhuvneshwar Kumar for that. So for me, it's about managing the workload, not only of Bhuvneshwar Kumar, but also of Jaspreet Bhumra because he too is just returning from a stress fracture in his back. Similarly for Hardik Pandya, these are three very, very crucial medium pacers for India's T20 World Cup hopes. Wrap them up in cotton wool when you don't play them. Make sure <clears throat> make sure their franchisees and the Indian team are managing their workload to the T. They need to play the T20 World Cup. More than Virat Kohli opening the batting, they need these three paces at the T20 World Cup.
2: Chetan, thank you so much for your time. It's uh, massively appreciated. Uh, hope you enjoy the uh, ODI series and uh, let's hope it's just as exciting thanks mate thanks cheers well homie um, just a, a minute to go. Um, let's have a look at that uh, the three ODIs um, it's it's yeah it's clearly at20 year um, and, and so uh, I just it occurs to me that when England is striving for relevance uh, in the uh, in the 50 over, in the in the 350 over um, internationals uh, they you know they might just be sort of let's set up t20 scenarios (laughs) let's let's do the 30 overs and then set up t20 scenarios which is something that happens in ODI cricket anyway at the moment and there's lots of the same personnel so let's not hide from the fact that there'll be more t20 learning to come from the three ODIs
3: no, there'll be a lot more, a lot more to come. I think we'll get a lot more players. Part of me just wants them to to bring a new rule in where we will play two innings, fifty overs, and just say, right, we'll declare, we'll declare our first thirty overs non non for none, and we'll forfeit after thirty overs and just play twenty twenty for the next three. Because if we had another three <laughs> twenty twenty matches, I'd be over the moon. Because I think this was bottling up beautifully, but they're going into the longer format where you probably see Bestow go back up the top, Butler will probably come back down. Um, into that that middle order. Um, Billings will probably come in for Milan. You'll see Mo and Ali play because the the two, the spin twins, ball really well together. Um, So you'll see a few subtle changes. You might see... Reese Topley have a, have a game um, instead of potentially Wood and Archer. There's a lot of talk about Archer and his fitness and potentially missing part of the IPO, I think, which if he does do that, and that's a different story again, it will be fair play to Jofra Archer and he will knock a lot of critics uh, and put them back in the box. And if he does that, I'll be one of them because it will be brilliant if he does put England first. Um, but it'll be a fascinating, fascinating series. India will have a, a strong pool to pick from and hopefully England aren't mentally fatigued because there's been a lot put into this last 10 days a hell of a lot not just from the captain and and some of the fast bowlers but I think there's been a lot put into this tour so far so I hope it ends you know, positively I hope it doesn't end, end on a whimper and um, and it possibly could because of the energy that they've exerted in it so fingers crossed some new players new energy just one or two and we get a, a, an excellent three match T20 uh, 50 over series because I think if we do then I think we've had a, a pretty good tour from entertainment point of view on talk sport of, uh, of the England's trip to India
2: yeah let's, uh, let's hope for a fantastic IDI series Thanks, Harmy. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and uh, Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app. This has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.